got intro music, intro music, intro music, ha 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 ha. Hi, I'm Michael. I'm sorry that the first thing you have to hear after that lovely song is my voice, but them's the breaks. Lou's here. Hey, how's everything going? Uh, We have gathered together this week to tell you that if you don't get the big ideas, the little ones are lost too. And you're going, what? What do you mean the big ideas? I read the title. I'm a little afraid here. John 1. In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And I know what you're thinking. You're going, you're killing me with this. Like every time I turn on a Heretics podcast, you're talking about the Trinity. And now I turn on this podcast, and you're going to about start talking about the Trinity again. You just did that last week. Yes. Yes, we did. did. And because you don't understand what we did last week, and I know you don't understand what we did last week. You know why I know that? Because I don't understand what we did last week. (laughs) And if I don't understand it, and I'm the one who said it, then I know you don't understand it. In all seriousness, though. This will be clear as we kind of work through the rest of this today. You cannot make sense of Christian theology if you do not first, at least as much as you are humanly possible, make sense of the foundation that is God. Because if you break that, then you do not have any grounding upon which to build your understanding of the work of salvation, to build your understanding about the goal of the church, to understand how sanctification works, to understand how we relate to God. I mean, in order to understand how to relate to God, you first have to understand understand who he is because then we define ourselves not in light of us but in light of him so bear with me this is worth dealing with so in the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god so we're going to make this a simple math equation you ready word equals god yes word equals god i don't care what the Jehovah's witnesses said kick them off the porch, don't listen to them, they're trying to play funny games with Greek, they're wrong, John is clear, the Word is God. When, then, was the Word? In the beginning. In the beginning. See, what is John doing? John just picked that in the beginning out of, you know, thin air, like, you know, there was no good reason to pick that. No, No, he's purposely hearkening back. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John is presenting this as, a, as an opening salvo in his proof of what? What is the Gospel of John trying to prove to you? The deity of Christ. He's trying to prove the deity of Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, who is God, the one sent from God, fulfiller of all that Old Testament stuff, so that you would believe having faith in him. 
This is why John grounds it. He was in the beginning. Uh, I'm sorry, I just lost my spot. In the beginning was the Word. Word was with God. Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Catch this. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Which means this Word, who he'll later tell you is Jesus, is the agent of creation. I think this is a good time to Uh-oh. to pause and, and, and read something else to give us some perspective. Because John, like you, like you alluded to earlier, John didn't say this in a vacuum. He was alluding to something. Agreed. But so did the prophets as well. So, so we, we, we've just alluded to Genesis 1 and 1. And, and what I'd like to read for you guys today is, is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 44 and 24. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and the one who formed you from the womb, I, the Lord, am the maker of all things, stretching out the heavens by myself and spreading out the earth all alone. So let's, let's put that into the backdrop here, along with what John said, along with what Moses wrote in, in Genesis 1 and 1. Uh, and, you and you say, mean God oh, doesn't share his glory? He does not. He, when he does stuff, nobody else does stuff? That's, that's right. <laughs> he, is, he is the first mover. Oh, 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 see, someone, someone's been listening. He is the uncaused cause, That's the right. first cause. Yes. It's his little philosophy. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, go read the uh, most recent, go read. You can go read it on the website. Go listen to the most recent Heretics podcast. We actually just dove into that just a right. little bit. Right. See, all things work together for good to those who listen to the podcast. Isn't that how that goes? <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> That's good. So, now, just to be clear, Isaiah is explaining to you that God is the mover alone. Alone. But John is throwing in this word thing. So, John must have just misunderstood this, right? I don't think so. No, and the reason I don't think so is because he's not the only one. Colossians. Who wrote Colossians? Paul. Paul. So, this is a different apostle, right? Yes, he is. Different apostle. Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, talking about Christ, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Real quick, all things. How many things is that? Everything. Everything. That's the whole thing. Visible and invisible. Is there a third category that we should be aware of? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, just making sure. All right. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and... For him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the eternal. No ending, but also no beginning. This is your your uncaused cause here. Hebrews 1 makes the same point. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the world. He is the radiance of his glory. God doesn't share that. In order to be the radiance of it, you must possess some of it. And the exact, not the partial, not the somewhat, the exact representation of his nature, and he, talking about Christ now, upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. See, this word is the agent of creation. This is Christ, equal with God, co-eternal, co-existent, co-powerful. This goes back to our under- our formulation of Yahweh. Yahweh is God. Remember, don't, please don't, I'm begging you, and Lou is laughing at me, mm-hmm. fall into the trap that so many modern evangelicals have fallen into. When you say God, you're not talking about the Father. Not exclusively. 
Not all the time. There may be times when you are, but too often we get into this mindset where the Father is God, and then there's Jesus and the Holy Spirit, which like shares some Godness or something, but they're not the same thing. No, no, no. They are. Yahweh is God. The Father is one person of Yahweh. The Son, Jesus, is one person of Yahweh. The Holy Spirit is one person of Yahweh. They are all equally, in essence and substance, God, but they are different persons. No, don't ask me to explain that anymore. I've already proven that I can't. I tried, it's and I can't, and you're not supposed to. But so it, when you when you when you take a look at what the prophets say, when you take a look at what the apostle John say, or the apostle Paul, mm-hmm. when you when you when you look at what they're saying, there is no doubt when you read the the Gospel of John that John believes that Jesus was God, absolutely was in the flesh, no doubt, and and Paul believed Jesus was God. He was the first cause, the first mover. He created all things. Nothing, nothing that was visible or invisible was nothing created without nothing. God, without Christ. <laughs> so it, it's real important for us. I mean, it's just basic. I and mean, you, you don't have to have a seminary degree to understand that. Shh, don't tell them that. They might stop listening. (laughs) No, he's right, though. This is not supposed to be super-duper complicated. We're trying to make this as simple as possible. And you're going, but you've gone over this a hundred times. I know, but you need this foundation to understand all the other theology that this makes sense. And we're going to get into some of that in a second. But before we do that, we've got to finish John 1. Okay. Well, not all of John 1, but our little section. Verse 4. In him, this is where, again, talking about the word, was life, and the life was the the light of men. If you've uh, listened to our Heretics podcast, you know the big fancy theological word, and if you haven't listened to the Heretics podcast and you go back on the theology ends of these podcasts, we did an entire episode on the aseity of God. And yes, Practical Theology Ministries has an official position on this. You are required by law to stiffen your jaw and say it like that. You must. It's you can't just you can't be from you know like you can't be like my wife and be from the hill the hills the uh, eastern plains of North Carolina and be like hey, he's got a society. No, it just it's wrong. It's just wrong. The aseity of God. He is the self-existent Word. He is equated with Psalm ninety. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Jesus claims this for himself when you get to Revelation chapter 1. What does he tell? John is prostrated down like a dead man because he is seeing Presence. the glory of Christ, the, 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 the glory of God shining around him. And he's like, uh-oh, he's my bad. Yeah. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. Who's speaking when this is going on? This is Jesus this speaking. Is Jesus, yeah. Who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. The Almighty. He is God in flesh. This is the same thing you'll see fulfilling from Deuteronomy 32. This is the designation God gives. See now that I, I am he. There is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded. It is I who heal. There is no one who can deliver from my hand. Now, a couple things about that verse. One, this is why we say there are not two gods. This is why we have a Trinitarian understand, a tri-unity, which is literally what the word means. We made up a word because we didn't have anything else to describe it. So there's not two gods. There's one God, one Yahweh, but he operates in multiple persons. There are three persons of Yahweh. I'm not going over that again. We just did it. So I am he. There's no God beside me. But catch this. This is the aseity portion. It is I who put to death and give life. Not you. God. You're not in charge of your life. This is why we frown on suicide, by the way. 
not because we're, we're good Catholics and we think it's a mortal sin that'll cast you into hell or prevent you from reaching purgatory or whatever that system comes up with now, but because it is a misappropriation of your station in life. You're not in charge of your life. You don't get to decide when you die. That's God's job. You didn't get to decide when you were born. It's not like you were chilling in the womb, you know, feet up being like, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm coming out. Yeah. No, no. God made that call. Yeah, Lou is like, that, that's just so wrong. <laughs> coming out of there. Yeah. Make way, people. Make a hole. I'm coming through. So, no, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Likewise, you don't get to decide at the end. This is why pro-life Christians are also anti-euthanasia Christians, because we do not give humans that authority. But suffering is bad, so says you, not so says your Bible. Sometimes your suffering is for your benefit and for the good of the kingdom. You bear up. You don't fall apart. So, finally, he is the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So, in the grand scheme of arm wrestling of the universe, you know, Satan and God are equal powers, right, Lou? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely Just not. making sure. I was trying to do the cool, you know, suave drink the water to see if he's not paying attention, but he is paying attention. You are yes. absolutely right. right yeah. We do not have co-equal powers. Jesus is the conquering king. He is the finisher. He is the one who will overcome. The darkness does not win. They don't even have a chance of winning. They're, they're just done for kaput end of story go back to revelation one when i saw him i fell at his feet like a dead man why he placed his right hand in me saying do not be afraid i am the first and the last that's why i fell on my face like a dead man the living one and i was dead and behold rule for reading your bible whenever you see the word behold stop don't skim. Pay attention. Something important is coming. All right. There you go. Behold, I am alive forevermore because he has a certainty, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. See, why are we overcome? Or why do we overcome? Why is evil defeated? Because God has defeated it. They may not know it yet. This is like the kneel down at the end of the football game. The game's over. We just have to run out the clock. So this is what this is. Welcome to your world. You are living in the kneel down. It's funny you should say that because every knee shall bow and every tongue mm -hmm. shall see, confess. See what I did there? You like that, yeah, huh? Yeah. But this is how we need to think about our lives. We are in the kneel down portion of the game. We are on the sidelines. The game has been defeated. We are done. We are just waiting for the clock to run out. So in the meantime, what do we do? We don't do things that are dumb. So if you're on the sidelines of the football game and your quarterback is taking a knee, you don't go running onto the field before he's done it. That gets you a penalty and extends the game. This is stupid. Don't do it. You know, you, you don't throw things in the stands. That would be dumb. Go celebrate with your team. You're waiting for the running out. We do what we are supposed to do in the meantime, holding up our station, keeping ourselves in line. Welcome to Christian living. I'm, I'm giving you a bad football demonstration of sanctification. Oh, but my mind is just churning here, you know, running out or, you know, all that. I mean, it, it sounds to me like... Uh, you're talking about the, the the day of the Lord when all of the, the saints... Uh, well, I am. That's what it looks like. When the game exactly, is over, what do yeah, we do? Yeah. See, when the game's over, then I get to run on the field. Right. Then I get to go celebrate. Why? Because it's not dumb now. It's celebratory. This right. is my field. We are the conquering army of football. Football is a war analogy, if you didn't understand that. Yeah. So, right. yes, we are the conquering army. There is the king. We wish to go celebrate. That's why we throw Gatorade on the coach. Oh, man. I don't have a metaphor for that. Maybe, ooh, yeah. there's the river of life, right? <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know if we're throwing that. Oh, yeah. We, we probably shouldn't go this far. Yeah. We better stop before we get into the heretical land. Yes. So either way, what's the point of all of this? Christ is the conqueror. Why? Because he is God. 
Because God is the conqueror. He is the one who overcomes. Because he overcomes and because Jesus is God, Jesus overcomes. This was the whole function of his work, and we're not going to get more into that now. That'll, that'll be the next episode. So why do we need to cover this in such detail? You may be asking yourself, and you would be asking good questions. It is a good question. Well, congratulations. The misunderstanding of what we have just laid out from John 1 is pretty much every early church heresy. Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, not some of them. There's a long list of them. Like all of them. And if you don't believe me, there's a long list of them. Go back and look at all the Heretics Presents podcasts. Mm -hmm. Most of those are early first and second century, and most of them have to do with the person of Christ. So, I mean, we made the rundown earlier, right? Arianism, adoptionism, Sabellianism, Docetism, forms of Gnosticism from Valentinus, Valentinus, Valentius, Mm -hmm. to uh, Manny and the Manichaeans. All of these things are disproportionately wonky on how they understand the person of Christ. They're denying um, Nestorianism, Apollinarianism. They're all denying different functions or ways in which the human and deity of Christ are put together. These are all breakdowns. So, all right. Let's 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 try to make sense of this. So Arianism, what are we denying? Well, we believe if you're an Arian, you believe that God created Jesus first, and then He did all other things. And and so, you go ahead, go ahead. I'm right. sorry, I was He's subordinate to the Father, um, and, and and so they they don't believe that the Son is is true deity. So yeah, there it is. We're denying the deity yeah. because of where He comes from. He is not eternal. But just by saying that the Son is not eternal, we have denied his deity. Now, on the other side of this, we've got heresies that are denying the humanity. So you would have things like Docetism and other forms of Gnosticism, where we are having an appearance of humanity. So we have all of spirit, all of the divine substance, Mm -hmm. but none of the human aspect. So this is where it gets tricky because you're going, well, I'm not a Docetist. You'll say that. But do you truly mean it? <laughs> Maybe you'll need to spend a little time in the cooler to find out. No. And, I, and I, I kid, I kid, a little bit. We should get a cooler. Yeah. We need a hot box. Yeah, well, yes. yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. That's what we'll get a little trailer, put it up on stilts. We'll give you a little rubber ball like in The Great Escape you know, with Steve McQueen, you know. Yep. Yep. Lou was like, wait a minute, I was wondering where you were going. I thought that's where we were headed, but yeah, we'll have to get one. We'll, we'll put a person a week in it. It'll be fun. <laughs> No, we need these things. Now, here's what happens. When the Arian denies the divinity of Christ, we have a fully man or a fully angelic. The problem we have is we don't have a full eternality. If I don't have an eternality, do I have an eternal sacrifice? Absolutely not. Now, how do I eternally atone for sin with a non-eternal sacrifice? I don't think that can be done. I would agree with you. It yeah. can't be done. Yeah. Welcome to what you lose. So in the Arian heresy, when you lose the eternality of Christ, you lose the eternality of his work. When you lose the eternality of his work, you lose everything. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the point? Why should I be following? I'm, I'm going to get some holiness out of this, but not others. Jesus is no better than the Passover lamb. He's no better than the burnt offering. He's no better than the first fruits. He is a temporary, temporal He's thing. A He's a yes. created He can't do anything for me. I'm stuck. This is bad. This is very, very bad. Now, likewise, fling fling yourself over the highway to the other ditch. Say you're into the realms of docetism. 
I am now denying the humanity of Christ. He only appeared to be He him. appears to be a person. He's yeah. fully spirit. He is fully light. Which, I mean, yes, he is, but he's also fully man. We're, we're going to get there. Hold on. Bear with me. Now, what have I lost? I have an eternal sacrifice. I have fully God. But do I have a representative? No, he wasn't like, he wasn't one of us. See, this is, this is where we answer one of my favorite um, Bible stump questions. And Lou's like, ooh, ooh, I like these. Yeah, stump. Yeah. Yes. Stump away. This is, your, this is one of my favorites that people ask me. And it's usually children that ask this because they've just finished a Sunday school lesson and they're trying, they're trying to see the good in all beings. And so this is your stumper. If he were to repent, would Satan be saved? There's no way. There's no way. There's no, there was no one to die for the angels. He, see? See? Lou nailed it. Lou, I didn't, Lou didn't even have to think about it. He's like, no! They don't have a sacrifice. Yeah. And if they don't have a sacrifice, there is no salvation. You need a representative. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. Ba-doom. Exactly. Sorry, we're, we're doing logistics with microphones at the same time. It's like bizarre hand motions. I should just tell them to do it. It's easier. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I'm making hand doing? motions at Lou, and he's like, I thought what? He was dancing I, over am I there. supposed to be stealing second? I'm confused. Yeah. Is this a pickoff? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> hand off, run right. No, I'm so confused. No, they have no sacrifice. If Christ appears to be human, we have no sacrifice. We don't have an actual representative. We don't have a man tempted in all ways as we are, right. and yet without sin. Absolutely. We've lost the whole ball of wax, the whole shooting match. Do I have any other outdated references for a thousand, Alex? <laughs> the whole nine yards? The kid and caboodle. Yeah, the kid and caboodle. Ooh, when was the last time somebody dropped a caboodle on you? I don't even know what a caboodle is. I don't either, to be yeah. perfectly honest yeah. with you, but... That's funny. It's fun to say. Yeah. It's a caboodle. word of the week. Caboodle. Caboodle. Caboodle that. Yeah, where, where people are like, what if I turned myself What, is, what, 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 what have I done? To? So... Yeah. Both are necessary. You need a fully God, fully man, what we call in theology the hypostatic union, to enact the work of Christ. Now, can I prove that Jesus was these things? I think I can. Right. I'm, right. I, I am the little engine that it. could. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Hopefully, we have already proved that Jesus is God. This seems to be the obvious one. If you don't like the little run-through of John 1, then I just encourage you to read the Gospels when you go home tonight. It will do you good. Watch what Jesus does. He demonstrates command over life and death. He demonstrates command over nature, he, uh, his creation. He commands the demons. Mm-hmm. He commands illness. He commands all sorts of things. So leprosy, um, leprosy, death. He creates things. He creates the food for the feeding of the 4,000 and the feeding of the 5,000 out of thin air. So he has all of these powers. These are the powers that only God would have. Right. He can heal both immediately and far off. He can forgive sins. He can forgive sins. That's kind of a God thing. Walking on water, calming the storm. These are all demonstrations of the the deific. There's your word for the day. The deific power of Christ. You can win some Scrabble with deific. I'm not even sure it's a word, but it is now. I'm thinking now. Now, I'm going to look that up later. The harder one for us to prove that we need to deal with is the humanity. And I'd like to do it the same way we just proved or just re-emphasize the deity. So Jesus was born. Luke 2, right? Right. And Matthew 1, if you really want to go there. But I like Luke 2 better. It's more fun. That's the Linus passage. And if you don't like Linus, then we can't be friends. It's just how this works. I'm sorry. We'll have to see other theologians. <laughs> <laughs> Linus. <laughs> Love it. So he was born. People are born. Our God's born. No. I mean, outside well, of Greek mythology, 
No. They, no, gods are not no. born. So Jesus is born. That's demonstrating his humanity. Jesus was hungry, Matthew 4, 2. Yeah. He ate food, like a lot actually, if you get right down to it you, in the Gospels. Yeah, he's mean, at parties where they're having meals. He's broiling fish after the resurrection. He's making bread and fish. He's turning the water into wine. I mean, Jesus ate stuff. Why? Because people eat stuff. Right. He was thirsty. John nineteen twenty eight and John 4, actually. I should have written that one down, but I don't have the exact verse. Read John 4, it'll do you good with the Samaritan woman at the well. Right. So he was thirsty. Why? Because human bodies consume water, and we burn it up, and we use it for cellular function. We need water. I mean, you can go a couple of weeks without eating something, actually. Oh, sure. You can't go but a couple of days without drinking some fluid. So you need water. Jesus demonstrates his humanity by needing water. He was tired, John 4, 6. That's probably why I didn't use a John 4 when I was using it already. I should have saved it. This is what happens when you don't read ahead in your own notes. Oh. <laughs> he was tired. Do gods get tired? No. No. So what is Jesus demonstrating? His humanity. Now, at any point, are we denying everything we've just said about his deity? Absolutely no. not. But we are pointing out that he is fully man. So the long journey traveling back to Galilee through Samaria, he was tired. So what did he do? He said he was tired. I'm going to chill out and take a rest here. He takes a nap. He hangs out. He's tired. He had compassion. That's a human emotion. Wait a minute. Jesus had emotions? Yeah. I thought emotions were bad. Well, they're not. He often wept over, over things, you know, the death of his best friend Lazarus. This is, your, this is your other Bible trivia. Everybody likes to ask this one in Sunday school, right? This is what you get when, like, third grade Sunday school. Shortest verse in the Bible is John eleven thirty six. Jesus wept, which in Greek it's actually three words because it's Jesus, he wept. But anyway, that, we don't do that in English. So, yes, he wept. He has emotion. He feels things. He mourns over Jerusalem. He has sorrow over the things that are going on with his disciples in the world. He's happy. He's sad. He demonstrates his anger at the cleansing of the temple. He demonstrates his love and his compassion over the disciples. He demonstrates a full range of human emotions because, catch this, he's human. Mm -hmm. He's a dude. And if you saw Jesus walking on the street, you wouldn't be like, you know, that's a God pretending to be a person. Because people would look at you and go, what? No, it's not. It's Joseph's, the carpenter's son. I got a table he made for me last week in my garage. Come on. What do you mean he's not a guy? How is a not guy making me tables? And they're nice tables. You should get one before he goes off on this preaching thing. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Limited time. Yes. Oh, see? See, Jesus had bad marketing. Yeah. See, he could have had limited time offerings, you know, the collector's editions with the little stamp and the signature. Oh, my goodness. Isn't there a monastery in Europe somewhere that has one of these? If not, we just gave them a really good idea. Some Somewhere there's going to be a monastery now in like Poland or Hungary. Be like, no, we, we have the Jesus table. Look, it's right here. With, you got the initials on the bottom. Recovered in the Holy Land. Oh, my. And don't, don't ask me why I'm using that accent. I have no idea why I'm using it either for... Eastern Europe, because I can't do, I, maybe, I, can I do good Eastern European? Say, I don't even know what an Eastern European yeah, I, I, accent I, I, would I be. can't get my Russian going, so, so we, we, have, we have table of Messiah, so we have, we have good Jesus table. That's, that's as close as you get to good Russian accent. Oh, my. I, I can do Hispanic and Southern much better, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, there you go. He's a person. He proves his humanity. He proves his deity. Now, why is this helpful to me? Why have you made me suffer through this entire 
podcast, after making me suffer through the entire Trinity podcast last week, after making us suffer through all of those heretics podcasts going over the same thing over and over and over again. Well, because I'm mean. And I want to watch you squirm a little bit. And because you need this. We need this. This is where we miss our ditches, okay? And this is what I mean. Hang on, gotta get the water. We gotta warm up for this one. All right, Lou. We're gonna stump the Lou. Okay. We're bringing back this game. I need music for it. There's your stump the Lou music. Okay. Is God imminent or transcendent? He's. <laughs> <laughs> and Lou's like, I, I, wait a bit. I wasn't ready yet. See, is he imminent? Is he near, or is he transcendent, far off? Well, he's he's near, but. <laughs> See, theologically, it is a trick question. Yeah. Theologically speaking, he is both. We get the transcendence yeah. of God. We have been trying to figure out the transcendence of God for an hour and a half now when you combine last week's podcast. We have been trying to make sense of the God who is far off, the God who is beyond us, the God who comes down to Mount Sinai and it shakes and it quakes and the thunder and lightning like a Garth Brooks song going off in the background. And, you know, God settles upon the mountain and he goes, no one come up here. And everybody goes, you did not have to tell us that. Like the entire is the entire nation of Israel is like we weren't gonna, yeah. like we're good. Moses can go handle all of this for us. You know the God who comes to Manoah to tell him about the birth of Samson, and he's like, I just saw God. Now I'm gonna die. You're like great. The one who when Ezekiel sees the vision, he lays down like a dead man. I'm undone. Yeah. yeah, Isaiah, woe is me. Mm -hmm. John in Revelation 1, you know, when he sees the glory of the Lord, he just falls flat on his face. He doesn't even know what else to do because there's nothing else his brain can process to do. God is so otherly and holy and righteous and good and beyond us. We get that by nature. And yet his spirit is with us. Exactly. And it's demonstrated in the humanity of Christ. Yeah. Understanding the dual nature of Christ helps you understand the imminence of God. It's a necessary theology. The reason why I say it's a necessary theology, you've had this. You may not admit it, but you have had this. You didn't pray. Why? Because you didn't feel like God was listening. You didn't pray because you didn't feel like it was going to do any good. You felt disconnected from God. You felt as though he did not understand, he was not there, and that you were forsaken. Even if you won't admit it, you have felt it at some point. It's okay. You're amongst friends. You can nod a little bit, and yeah. it's all right. When you feel that, remember, this is when feelings are bad. Don't let feelings guide what you know. Let what you know guide how you feel. Easier said than done. I will admit that. But it is still the call of the Christian. This is how we renew our minds. This is where you focus on the imminence demonstrated in Christ. That he walked dirty, mm -hmm. nasty streets. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about, like, there's not even a latrine. Like, we're digging holes in the backyard. Right. You know, communal ditch outside of town. You know, people dropping dead left and right. I mean, this was the, there, are, there are times in human history where you would have had to have 10 children in order to get one of them to adulthood one that, that's the entirety of the middle ages just about in israel's day in jesus's day is maybe not that bad but it would not be unusual to have three or more children die in infancy or you know one of your kids is eight and he's walking down the street and the neighbor's bull gets loose mm -hmm. and you're like what just happened how does that happen well it doesn't happen to you because you don't live in a town where the bull lives in the backyard <laughs> 
Jesus may have. Some of these kids did. Or leprosy or diseases, scurvy, malnutrition, smallpox, plagues of all sorts, shapes, and fashions. People would die regularly. He lived in that world. Mm -hmm. He buried friends. He probably went to funerals for children. And yet he still rejoiced at weddings. Right. He still had the party. He still lived a human life. He mourned with those who mourned. He wept with those who wept. And he rejoiced with those who rejoiced. Because he walked and took our cares and concerns. God knows. Yeah. This is why tempted in all ways as we are and yet without sin. What's the point of that teaching? We enter into the throne of grace. Why? Because we have a God who understands and knows us. Because he has lived it. He walked the walk. He talked the talk. And he functioned just in a world like we do. Probably one that is much nastier than ours is. So here here you go. It's summertime. At least in North America it is. Uh, Go turn off your AC for two weeks. That's not fun. No, it's not fun. It's Mm -hmm. miserable. Like We start calling repairmen for that. Mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't have AC. Right. Um, turn off your AC, unplug your refrigerator. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unplug your refrigerator, uh, disconnect the stove, and go build a fire in the backyard every time you want to cook something. Right. And then don't forget, you got to put that fire out before you go to bed, or you got to tend it all night because you can't just let it burn because you might catch the thatch roof you on live fire. In definitely a different yes, world. Yes, it's a different sure. Jesus lived in a hard world. He suffered. He dealt with hardships. This is, again, the imminence of God, his nearness on display. This is also necessary for what we talked about with the Arians and the Docetists as our, our, well, as our examples of what not to do. I know we didn't dive into that. Go listen to the podcast or read the write-ups on the website, practicaltheologyministries.com. It will do you good. It's there for you for a reason. Jesus bridges the gap. This is one of the analogies we like for sin. So so what is sin? If you ask a typical uh, evangelical Sunday schooler, they'll tell you sin is anything that separates us from God. Well, 1 John 3 and 4 says sin is the transgression of the law. Agreed. And that's why I said I was, I was just about to say, see, Lou beats me to it a lot of times. Get out of my head. <laughs> I'm in his head now. Lord, help me. I am not responsible for what you see in here and there. <laughs> Wait a minute. I am responsible. Wait a minute. <laughs> no, that is not a full-throated definition of sin. But for our purposes here, it is a good illustration of the effect of sin. Okay. This is why Adam and Eve are removed from the garden. Hang on. Excuse me. Got to get that cough out. Um, This is why Adam and Eve have to be removed from the garden. One, they might take and eat of the tree. Two, they have to be removed from the presence of the Lord. They are separated from him. This is why the tabernacle for Israel is constructed. There is a place where purification can be made, where prayer can be offered, where God can dwell near his people, not amongst his people. Sin is a separation. This is why the temple, what happens at the dedication of the temple? The glory of the Lord comes down and God now dwells in the temple. Who gets to go where God is dwelling? Only the high priest. And only once a year. And only after 17 hoops have been jumped through backwards. (laughs) I mean, you have to do the work. God, there is a separation. It's a consequence. Agreed. They happen to bend to who? They they messed up and they brought strange fire. Agreed. And and so, uh, you know, the ritual of Yom Kippur was, was, you know, God gave us a way to come into his presence rightly. I mean, that was, I think that's the, the desire all through scripture is for man to return to their original image and likeness of God and to dwell with God. 
Agreed. I think that's the longing of humanity yeah. since the garden. And it's the constant demonstration from God of what the Messiah will restore. How will he restore it? Because right. he can be the eternal sacrifice that the lamb, the bull, the offerings cannot. Yeah. He can be that final, complete, finished work. But he can also be our representative. Yeah. He can stand before the Father on our behalf and say, that one is mine. He never ceases to do that. Agreed. Right? Because he never ceases to be fully God He's ever and fully man. for us. Yes. In Christ, mm-hmm. what you have, and this is, this is one where Lou and I do not disagree on this, but Lou doesn't always like the way I emphasize this. Go for it. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get the, the tinglys in the back of Lou's spine going. Okay. In Christ, in the hypostatic union, what you have is humanity complete. Com- completing and keeping the law perfectly. So, in Christ, the law is kept for those who are his. So, 1 John 3, 5, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and that in him there is no sin. Right. So, Christ is sinless. How do, what does that mean? It means he has not transgressed the law. This is right. why this is why separation is a not a full-throated analogy. We need the understanding of transgression as well. 2 Corinthians 5, though, gives us our bridge here. We are ambassadors of Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. And we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. So repent and trust. Mm-hmm. He made him, talking about Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, Christ is our keeper. Christ is the keeper of the law. We are righteous before God because in Christ we have perfectly kept the law. He is our representative. Agreed so far? Absolutely. There. We're now, locked up here. Now, this, now what I'm going to make sure I do... Because this is where Lou wants to make sure that we, we don't fall into the other ditch. I did not tell you to abstain from your righteousness. And Lou will vouch for me that I am staring and pointing at the computer screen because yeah, it represents pretty, you. Yeah, pretty serious. I am. Just because the law is kept in Christ does not mean I get to live however way I want. That's called antinomianism. There's a Heretics podcast about that. Listen to it. It's good for you. This is your Romans 6. And I, I let Lou say this punchline when he's here because he likes it so much. So shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? May it never be. See, see it just sounds so much fun to say that. You're yeah, like, I just I mean, no. See, I always like to throw in there because the Greek is so much fun. Megnoita. How are we mm. to continue to walk in sin? We're dead to sin. See, because That's what Paul was saying, because Christ has be. kept, because Christ has kept righteousness, He has put aside sin. We are in Him. He has kept righteousness. Therefore, what do we desire to do? Do I want to go back to that dirty filth, or do I, I want to walk in this cleanliness that He has now no. placed me? Yeah. This is your. This is how you make sense of your Romans six, your Romans, um, your Romans eight, your Romans twelve. Your James two. This is uh, First Peter one. You're you're living in a holy way because you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold. Think about that. You weren't re- you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold. How many of you ever had like a hunk of silver or gold in your hand? And be like this worthless this is junk. So perishable. Yes, this is so. I don't need this. Yeah, I no, don't think so. that was junk when compared to what the precious blood of the Lamb. See, he has accomplished this work by himself in himself, through himself, and he is given of himself to do it. Therefore, it is completed in him, and we are complete in him. Right. But this is now where we walk after him. So 
we're not we're not espousing a new legalism here. I'm not telling you you're keeping the law for salvation. I'm telling you you it are saved be. because Christ yeah. kept the law right. for your salvation. You are now being sanctified by your keeping and following of God's commandments and right for righteousness in this world. You are righteous in Christ. Therefore, you seek to live righteously. See, right. one one is a noun, one is an adverb. Right. See, you are one is an adjective, one is an adverb. You noun are verb righteous adjective so you are described as righteous but you seek to live verb righteously adverb describing how you live so the righteous person lives righteously not so that god will be pleased but because god has been pleased and has given you of his spirit which guides you directs you and which you seek to honor you wish to live in holiness not so that you'll be holy at the end but because you will be holy at the end i want a head start dagnabbit right see this is why these guys are shouldn't we see see this is why we're chomping at the bit on the sidelines we're going back to the football analogy okay here we go that's why every coach every football coach it's usually the strength and conditioning guy he's what's called the get back coach Hmm. what's his job get you back his job is to stand on the sidelines and keep everybody back yeah and you'll see him it's always the dude with a weird mustache or a weird beard because all strength and conditioning coaches in college football especially are weird dudes (laughs) they have no neck and it's his job he's like standing with his feet nine shoulder widths apart with his arms out holding everybody back why has he got to do that because our team just did something awesome christ just redeemed us that's our team i want to do what i want to go celebrate with him but i can't yet because i'm still living here and i'm still sinful so what do i want to do i celebrate right now and i jump up and down and the get back coach holds me back and i celebrate as much as i can because i know that at some point he and i will be united that teammate and i will be together and then what will we do then we will celebrate right so i one day a celebration we will be in the presence of christ again um, but until then, we have to do what he commanded us to yes, do. That's our celebration. Right. How do I celebrate? Right. We're running a play right now. The yes. Play is I'm following after God as best that I can to the glory of God right. because that's who I am, who I want to be, and who I'm going to be. I want my head start. I want now. And right. so I live it now. Unfortunately, this life is my get back coach. Right. My walking along and stumbling in my sin is my get back coach, reminding me that I'm not there yet. But see, that's a cause for rejoicing because every time I fall down and I'm reminded that I have failed and I am not there yet, what else am I reminded of? That Jesus is there. Yeah, right. And that he's done he's it. He's the first fruit. And yeah, yes. He's the, see, this, he, he is the one that we are supposed to be emulating. He's already done it. It's already been accomplished. We are to walk after him. If we say that we are in Christ, we too should walk even as he walked. We should imitate him as Paul imitated him. That's our, that's our end goal. We want to look yes. like our Father in heaven. We want his will to be done, not ours. We need, to, we need to turn in our filthy rags, our righteousness, and we need to walk in the righteousness that God gave us from the beginning. And it's all written down in a book somewhere. See, that you should read. It's good for you. You should read. See, this is the mediation that has been that. This is the mediation that has been accomplished, easy for me to say, by Christ. Why has it been accomplished? Because of who he is. This is one of the lessons that you'll learn from the Old Testament when you're talking about the nature of God. We don't just praise God because of what he has done. Because what he has done is a product of who he, who is. he is. That's right. So we get back to the baseline of who God is. Christ, because he is God by extension, we don't just praise because of what he has done. Because what he has done is an extension of who he is. Because he is fully God, fully man, he has redeemed. Excuse me. I have access to the throne. 
I have forgiveness of sins. I have a righteousness and an inheritance reserved for me with God. And I walk now each and every day in the knowledge of that, yeah. in the longing hope for that. See, we, we should be singing the Christmas hymn more often. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to make thy people free. Yes. See, that's not just Jesus coming into the world to redeem Israel. That's Jesus coming into the world to redeem all of his people. That's my cry now. Come now, because I'm not there yet, but I want to be. Right. So what do I do in the meantime? Even even the earth, re, you know, mm-hmm. it, it longs for its Romans redemption. Again. See, read Romans. It'll do you good. It, it, I mean, everything groans today, and they want. You know, we want that new heaven. We want that new earth. We want to live in the presence of our Lord forever. That should be the goal. And what do I, so what am I doing in the meantime? I'm practicing. I'm setting right. myself up. Right. I'm seeking to weed out sin because it dishonors my creator. It dishonors my savior. And it dishonors me as his image bearer and his redeemed one. So I seek that justice. I seek that righteousness. And I seek to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that he has given. I can only do that. Mm-hmm. Only because Jesus has redeemed. And he can only do that because of who he actually is. Right. So... What have we learned today, children? Jesus is a man. And all God's people said, duh. Right. The humanity of Jesus is the reason we are saved and secure. Without that, it can't be. He has to be both, God and man. God has granted us access and restored what sin has broken. And he has done that because he has worked in Christ, who is God and man, and he has restored us to himself by that work, oh, which, which that's what we're going to dig in next time. I don't know if it'll be next week or week after, whenever schedules align, that'll be the next thing is the work of Christ right. because it is based on who he is. So enjoy. If you want more of this, there are other podcasts available. You can scroll back in your Podbean app if that's where you're getting it, or you can go to practicaltheologyministries.com. There's a player. You can click on all the stuff. You can click on the Heretics podcast and learn more about church history. You can click on all the theology and apologetic stuff mm-hmm. that we do. They're labeled by the doctrine that we're kind of discussing that day, from the Society of God to the Trinity to the doctrines of Bibliology and Theology Proper. We're working through all of them, having a blast of doing it. You can also uh, listen to past worship services of Calvary Baptist Church in Rockford, Illinois. You're welcome to join us 1030 Sunday morning. Uh, That's minus six for all of you who have no idea how time zones work. That's uh, 10.30 Central Time. You can join us in person in Rockford. It's on the website. You'll find it. Or you can join us on the Podbean app. We live stream it. It's not video, I know, but you don't want to see our faces anyway. That would be no fun. Yeah. So join us there. You can read all the stuff that's on the website, the write-ups on the podcast, for the heretics especially, the newsletter, which it's coming. It's coming. I know. I know. I promise. It's coming. We'll get it there. You will get 12 this year. I promise you, you will get 12. You may not get them each month, but you will get 12. If I have to wring them out of someone's brain, I will. We will get 12, I promise. But it's good stuff. You can read all the past issues that are up there. You can subscribe to have it sent to your uh, email. And I know some of you have, and you're probably waiting and mad at me. It's coming, I promise. It'll get there. Um, All that stuff is there. You can link to the church's website as well. Do all that fun stuff. Uh, Anything else we need to cover? I think we did it. All right. In that case, until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye.